you know, I'm, I want to talk about a promise kept. I want to talk about keeping promises. And I don't think there's anything uh, more marvelous than if you're with somebody that uh, you understand and knows will keep their promises. We live in such an uncertain world. It's a joy when somebody you know will keep their promise. It can bring certainty in an uncertain world. It can bring security in an insecure world. Uh, I wish I could promise you that this virus is going to end and give you a date and a time when it was going to end and things would go back to normal, but you know I can't do that. And uh, Jesus gave one of the greatest promises that uh, he could give to his disciples, and he fulfilled that promise. I don't know if you uh, know what Thursday was this week on May 21st. It was called uh, Ascension Day. And uh, I think in France, they actually have the day off. It's not even recognized here in the U.S. You know, we've kind of hijacked most of the Christian uh, holidays. There's Christmas, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town. And Easter, it's the Easter bunny and uh, bringing the eggs. But I don't understand yet how the Easter bunny could have eggs. Don't chickens have eggs? Right. So, but everything, but how would you hijack Ascension Day? You know, I mean, what, 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 what could we do for that? Because it was the day that Jesus goes up into the clouds. And it's probably one of the most important days in the Christian calendar, because on Ascension Day, what Jesus was going to do 10 days later was going to send the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. So these uh, special days in the Christian calendar point us to a truth that is so powerful and can impact our lives if we will truly believe and receive the promises that God gives us. And the promise, of course, was to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to live in us in such a way that he gives us the power and the strength to be motivated to love and to serve the Lord, and then also to have his peace and his joy in the midst of uncertainty or difficult times like we're living in today. You know, I've witnessed this power displayed in people's lives so often. I've seen it in young people on a missions trip. I've seen it uh, when people have had to stand up and they've never spoken in public before and yet they give this tremendous message. Or I've seen it in uh, newly married couples when they make a commitment to each other and uh, they, they commit themselves to, to love each other and care for each other. But I've also seen it in older folks, and I've even seen the power of the Holy Spirit on somebody's deathbed, when through the power of the Holy Spirit, they're able to speak the word of God and the promises of God and, and really have faith even as they're approaching death. So when we look at Jesus' words about what he was promising to the disciples, when we look into the gospel, and we're going to be in the gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, the, the missionary and Dr. Luke wrote both books, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And we're going to be looking just a little bit at each one today. But he was, Jesus was meeting with his disciples. It was another post-resurrection appearance. Jesus had met with the disciples for 40 days after the resurrection. And uh, this 40th day was the day of ascension. But it says Luke brings this up again, and then he brings it up in Acts chapter 1, because it's so important. 
Luke makes this one of the highlights of the gospel, the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's so important. And this is what he said. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And I'm going to send you what the, whole, what the Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven, the ascension. But Jesus emphasized, I'm going to send you what the Father promised. And so this promise that Jesus kept is for you and I today. It's for us to also receive and hold on to the promise of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus wasn't fretting or worried about what was going to happen to the disciples after he left them. In fact, he was so assured that they were going to continue. So, um, uh, so what, what we can understand and, and understand and know is this. Jesus also forewarned the disciples when he was going away that this promise was going to come true. Look at John 16, 7. He says, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, uh, and that word in the Greek means paraclete, the helper or the one that walks alongside us, our coach, our counselor, our comforter, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus was sure that the Holy Spirit would be with them and then would enable them to do the things that he had commanded them to do. One of them was to be his witnesses, to share the gospel with other people, to be able to proclaim that to other people. You know, this is what Jesus had called them to do. And sometimes we look at our own lives and we say, you know, I wish I was back then in the early church and had received the Holy Spirit like the uh, early church did. But really, we have received the Holy Spirit like the early church has. We really have received the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He lives in us, but sometimes we're just not aware of that, or we're not self-aware of the power and the presence of God in our lives. Because oftentimes, we've been distracted by other things, or maybe our own faith is very weak, and we don't really focus on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So what I like to do is sometimes is I like to read biographies of people that have been used and empowered by the Holy Spirit uh, in the past and even presently. And one of those uh, people that I had just read their biography last year was that of Ravi Zacharias. And you may have heard that he just went to be with the Lord on Tuesday. Uh, but this was a man who was actually from our own denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance. He was licensed in, uh, as a Christian Missionary Alliance uh, evangelist. And uh, I got to meet him during a time when there was an annual meeting of pastors. Um, and uh, Dave and Cindy, our international workers from India, introduced me to him because they knew him personally. And Lori and I got to sit down and meet with him. And one thing I can tell you, the man it was brilliant, 
but he was also very loving and very kind. What I saw in him, and he was prof prolific speaker and apologetic uh, speaker and, and, and apologist, but what I saw in him was the love that emanated from him. And uh, it's interesting to, to understand that uh, Ravi Zacharias was not always like that. In fact, he grew up in a area of uh, India, uh, in, <laughs> in Delhi, and um, he was uh, just a, a young boy on the streets of Delhi. And one day his mother uh, called him to come to the local uh, palm reader. And the palm reader looked at his hand and said, looking at your future, Robbie, you will not travel far or very much in your life. That is what the lines on your hand tell me. There's no future for you abroad. And uh, Ravi Zacharias, by the time he was 17, he was so discouraged and depressed that he actually attempted to take his life. And he told this story at Passion 2020 on January 1st, Lori and I and some of our uh, uh, university students were there along with 63 other, uh, 63,000 other uh, university students in the stadium at Mercedes-Benz in, in Atlanta. And he told the story of how he tried to commit suicide. He was so depressed that he almost took his life at 17. And if it wasn't for a miraculous set of circumstances, and he was taken to the hospital, and they were able uh, to revive him, the miracle was that he ingested some sort of acid, and it should have uh, uh, ruined his larynx and his vocal cords, but that didn't even, uh, it did not uh, harm him in that way. But what happened is that somebody came into his room, gave him a Bible, talked to him about Jesus, and Ravi began, Ravi began to begin to think about giving his life to Jesus Christ. And so here was this young teenager or young man at 17 years of age, and he gave his life to Christ. Ravi said something about this. He said, I came to him because I did not know which way to turn. I remain with him because there's no other way I wish to turn. I came to him longing for something I did not have, and I remain with him because I have something I will not trade. I came to him as a stranger, and I remain with him in the most intimate of friendships. I came to him unsure about the future, and I remain with him certain about my destiny. I came amid the thunderous cries of a culture that has 330 million deities, and I remain with him knowing that the truth cannot be all-inclusive. <clears throat> Ravi Zacharias gave his life to Christ, began to study the Bible, went to university, and then when he was 25 years of age, he joined a Christian Missionary Alliance missionary and went to Vietnam to preach to prisoners in prison camps, Viet Cong uh, prisoners, and then also American soldiers. God not only sent him there, but then went through to Billy Graham and then 
God sent him around the world, over 47 different countries. When you think about it, it was the Holy Spirit that created life in Ravi Zacharias. And then it changed him and it motivated him and gifted him in such a way to be a powerful evangelist uh, throughout the world. And uh, God has just continued to use him. And if you've ever read or heard him speak, I know that you will understand and know, as I do, that he is a brilliantly gifted apologetic uh, apologist. And so, uh, but this is what God does through the power of the Holy Spirit in anybody's life who will yield to him. We may not have the same gifts and calling and global ministry that Ravi Zacharias has, but we can have the place and the power and the strength to do what God wants us to do in our lives. And this is really why Jesus was so confident when he was telling his disciples, it's better if I go away, because if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit, and then he will be working in you, and then God will, my Father will use you to spread the message, my message of salvation to other people. It's a, it's a wonderful way that God does that. So in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, and this is the same story, he said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, in which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the disciples, after this time, during this 40 days, they meet with Jesus, and Luke is bringing this up again in Acts chapter 1 because he's telling the story of how the early disciples received the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they had to, those 40 days when Jesus was lifted up and ascended into heaven, there was 10 more days that they waited and were in constant prayer, seeking God and in prayer and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to them. Now, we may not have to wait 10 days, but there are times when God does that work in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, but then he wants to also refill us again with his power again. This was not just a one-time thing. It began in uh, the second chapter of Acts. It began with the disciples at Pentecost, but later on, you see throughout the book of Acts, they go back and they are refilled with the Holy Spirit as they pray and as they walk with God, and it's a story of the early church and the followers of Jesus totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit's power to do the things that God had wanted them to do. And I think we've got to get back to that. I think that's something that uh, I'm longing to understand and know more about the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and yielding to that power on a daily basis. And so God wants us to pray and he wants us to receive the Holy Spirit but he wants us to receive even more filling and to stay in the flow of the Holy Spirit and walking in the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. You know, when Jesus was talking about this with the disciples, they immediately went to something else. The Holy Spirit wasn't the focus on their mind. What they said is, you know, when is God going to restore the kingdom of Israel? When is God going to do something with our nation again? 
take these Romans out of here and restore something that we can really hold on to. When's God going to move in our nation, make Israel great again? You know, like when is God going to do that? And a lot of times, especially in the time that we're living now, we can say our focus can be, when are things going to get back to normal? When, is, uh, when are we going to be able to go wherever we want to go, do whatever we want to do, and not be afraid of a virus that could kill us? And I think what God is saying to us right now is, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be led by my Spirit, and I will guide you and direct you even through this pandemic. And so uh, God wants us to understand that and know that. Ravi Zacharias uh, said uh, something this uh, about the Holy Spirit. He said, where does one begin? With self-crucifixion, in effect, we go to our own funeral and bury the self-will so that God's will can reign supremely in our hearts. And he was talking about where do you begin with the Holy Spirit? Or where do you begin with surrendering your life with God, to God? And he says it begins with a dying to our own self, our own will, so that God can supremely reign in our hearts. Sometimes the reason we don't flow and aren't filled with the Holy Spirit is because we don't make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our life, our will has no power to do God's will until it first dies to its own desires and the Holy Spirit brings a fresh power within. This is what Ravi Zacharias says. He said the key to his ministry was receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in his life and then doing the will of the one who called him to do it. And that can be the same in our lives. Acts chapter 1 verse 7, he says, It is not for you know the times or dates set by my own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so even though the disciples were concerned about when Israel was going to become a nation again, the Lord pointed them back to understanding this. It's not for you to know the times or dates. I wish we could know the time and the date when Christ was going to come back. I wish we would know the time and the date exactly when this pandemic would be over. It's, running, it's going to be a process that we're going to go through, and, and it's in an uncertainty. But God tells us that we can receive power, the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we can have the ability then to share his love with other people. And that's really what God's main agenda is, to see as many people as he can come to know him. And he wants to use us to do that. How can we do that when we're sheltered in our homes? Well, God's given us a lot of different ways that we can do that. You know, it's, it's sometimes uh, digitally through texts or through Facebook or through uh, just calling somebody on the phone. Or maybe it's by uh, just sharing our concern with other people. But God will give you wisdom and insight and then creative ways of sharing his gospel with other people and the hope that you have. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 4, talk about this time when the Holy Spirit finally came upon them. 
and uh, it says that they were um, they were, um, let's see, oh, I don't have that one. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When you look at these disciples, they were uh, just ordinary people fishermen from Galilee. Uh, there was women there as well. There was uh, uh, the prostitute Mary. There was the mother of Jesus. There were other people, the people that had lived ordinary lives before or very broken lives before or very confused lives before, and God put them back together. He did something transfor transformational in their lives, and then uh, the Holy Spirit was at work in their lives and gifting them to do what they couldn't do alone. In fact, Peter is the one that stands up and begins to do this message as people from all across uh, that, that Middle East region came into Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And there were people from every different nation there that wanted to go to worship in the temple. But when they passed by this upper room, there was such a noise, such a rushing wind that they were drawn to attention to it. And then they came to see what was going on. And then Peter stood up and he proclaimed the message of what, uh, what the gospel was really about and what was actually happening. And he says, uh, they've been all filled with the Holy Spirit. What you're seeing and what you now see and hear is something that has happened through the Holy Spirit because Jesus Christ has been exalted to the right hand of God, and he has received from the Father what was promised, the Holy Spirit, and he has poured it out, what you now see and hear. Jesus kept his promise. And that's what Peter was saying. And Peter understood that and knew it. And then the people understood it and knew it. And the disciples and the followers of Jesus understood it and knew it. And it changed their whole entire lives and how they approached life, and how they approached problems, and how they approached sharing the gospel with other people, they did it through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, as Peter preached that message, people, it says, were cut to the heart, meaning that they began to see that what Peter was saying was actually true. You know, we can't make anybody become a Christian. We can't make anybody be filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is at work, and that's one of the things he does. He, he uh, speaks to people's hearts, and he draws them to himself, and then he does that work, just like he did in Ravi Zacharias. We, we can't explain how that would happen, how all those circumstances would line up, and even what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for good, even though the enemy was trying to take Ravi Zacharias out, tell him to commit suicide, uh, tell him his life was worthless, that uh, what the fortune teller has told him was going to come true. Even though it's all those things, the, all those labels that Ravi had labeled himself or had been labeled by, they were taken away and Christ came into his life and gave him a new identity and a new purpose. And Ravi 
walked into that and he grew into that more and more and more. And you see that in his life. And you see that in the apostle Peter's life as well. And so as Peter surrendered his life to the Lord, God used him in a powerful way. And he'll do the same thing in our lives. When the people were cut to the heart, they said, what should we do, Peter? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far away, all whom the Lord our God will call. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far away. So the promise is for you and I. The promise has been kept, but it's ours to receive that promise and open up our hearts to the Lord. And then it says that the apostle <coughs> Peter continued, and we don't have everything that's recorded, but it says with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation and those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. And what is amazing about this is that Peter uh, warned them and pleaded with them. And what that tells me is that Peter didn't come across and say, you know, what you're believing is all wrong. He didn't come around condemning people, but what he did is he pleaded with them and he warned them and he loved them and his words must have been also filled with love, not only with truth, but filled with love and were able to be understood and heard by the people that he was preaching to. And you know, I think that's what God wants to teach us to do. And he teaches us through the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, if you think about how he works in our life, he's gentle, he's compassionate, he's comforting, he's a helper, he convicts us. But he does it in a way that uh, we can receive it. And so God does the same thing. He can do the same thing as we share his love with other people. So I want to ask you to think about a greater walk with God by depending more fully upon the Holy Spirit in your life. It doesn't mean that... Um, God's going to call you into ministry like he did Robbie Zacharias or uh, Francis Chan or other great men and women of God. But what it can mean is that I'll rely upon the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you fill me and teach me and lead me daily in my life so that I could be used by you? And it is a prayer, but it's also a heart's desire and a devotion that we have. And it's a prayer that I pray uh, almost daily that God would fill me with the Holy Spirit, that he would uh, teach me and use me. But there's times when God wants me to spend a little more time with him and um, not just rush away out of his presence, but he wants me to spend more time with him and to make sure that I'm in and walking with the Holy Spirit. So let me give some uh, action steps that will help you in this uh, quest to live life in the Holy Spirit. It's really our theme for 2020. Uh, 
we chose this theme last year. Little did we know that we were going to be in a pandemic like we are today. But I think it's the only way to live through a time like this is to be led in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It was the only way the early church could become and do what it became and what it did. Uh, it was the only way. It was God's only plan. And it's still God's only plan today. I mean, we can make up our plans and and uh, we're worried, you know, we're uncertain about the future and things like that. But really, uh, the first step is to surrender our life to Christ. Ask him to be our Savior and Lord, surrendering everything to him. And these are things that we sometimes have to re-surrender to him, you know, because we put them on the altar and then we take them off again. But there's times when God wants us to surrender not only the things in our life, but even our own will, even our own ways, and say, God, whatever you want to do with my life, I give it to you. The next thing is to ask him to fill you with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus says, look, if your own son asks you for a fish or, or bread, you're not going to give him a stone or a snake. How much more will the Father your heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And so God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, he desires that. And Peter said it was a promise for all generations, not just for the early church, but for all generations in Acts chapter 2, verse 39. But you know what can happen? In our lives, we could grieve the Holy Spirit or we can quench his work in us. And Paul tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, that there's times when we grieve the Holy Spirit by doing what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do, or by uh, letting bitterness or unforgiveness or anger control our lives instead of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God wants us to take inventory of our life and then to submit that even to him. And so that's, that's why it's important that we not just pray a prayer, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit, then go on our own way. But we need to be in the presence of the Lord, be in his presence, and be saturated by his presence, and just stay there for a while, and let him speak to us. Uh, when we quench the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit is when God tells us to do something and then we don't do it because really when we're being led by the spirit he will give you then the power to do what he wants you to do but oftentimes that power comes after we step out in faith and take that faith-filled risk that he's calling us to do one of the things that we can do in this inventory of saying lord i want to be filled and led by your spirit is one thing is to re release any grudges or anything that would be holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness towards others. That is such a key component to say, Lord, uh, search me, know my heart. Um, especially in our relationships that we're, we're in such close quarters now, we need to be keeping close accounts of our relationship. Uh, husbands, wives, uh, parents with their children, 
just our relationship with God, uh, release grudges, forgive one another, whatever it takes, have that conversation sometimes that we have to have just to make things right with somebody else. You know, then the other thing is to focus on Jesus Christ, his power and his promises, rather than on fear, anxiety, blaming ourselves or others. We're living in a blame culture right now in a very critical time. Uh, and uh, everybody is criticizing everybody else. And uh, we know that even political parties are at each other. And uh, there's this whole, not only is there the pandemic, but there's also a virus of blame and criticism that is going around today. And what we want to do is rather hold on to the promises of the power of God and then be a conduit of his love, be a conduit of his encouragement with people that we see. And that can only happen through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit working in us and then working that out in us. He says he'll work in us the, to do of his goodwill and good pleasure. And then the last thing is this. If you want to stay in the Holy Spirit, you need to stay in the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God. You need to let that speak into your life. If we're only allowing the news and the media or our fears or our worries to control us and to impact our minds, then we're going to be missing out on the component that can give us the right way of thinking that could lead us into a more deeper, intimate friendship with God. Be devoted in prayer. Listen to him speak to you and then obey him. And you may say, oh, I don't ever hear God speak to me. Well, that's something that is, as you get into the word of God, he'll begin to illuminate things to you. He'll begin to uh, speak to you through his word. And then as you begin to pray, and not only pray, but then listen, God will put thoughts into your mind, things that, um, that will be prompting you maybe to an action, and you'll hear him speak. And then what you do with that is so important because then he wants you to obey him. And as you obey him, you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You begin to walk in the Holy Spirit. You begin to walk in the spirit and fulfill the things that God has called you to do. You know, God wants us to understand that, know that, and experience it. So uh, as we, uh, as I end today, I just want to encourage you to walk with the Lord in a deeper and a closer way. Be dependent upon the Holy Spirit in a deeper way. I think God is calling his church to that in a much more deeper way than he ever has because he understands and, and knows what's going to be happening in the future. And he understands and knows that people, especially his followers, will only be able to face uncertainty and difficulties when they're filled, empowered, and walking in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So let's live our lives in the Holy Spirit. It's possible. Jesus promised it. He never breaks his promises. He always keeps his promises. And he always has and he always will. And one day, that last promise will come true. You know, as Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, the, 
the disciples were looking up into heaven and then two angels came down and they said, you see this Jesus who has gone up to heaven, he will return. Just the same way that he's gone up, he will return someday. But see, we're living in the in-between. We're living in what was spoken Jesus left, and now we're living in the age before he returns. And it's the age of the Holy Spirit being with us, empowering us to live our lives for him. And I, and I hope and pray that you will be motivated to ask the Lord to fill you more and then to follow what he says for you to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we could be together today. Thank you for your word to us about the promise that you made that we could be filled with your Holy Spirit, that we could be led by your Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would transform our lives and give us the love and the joy and the peace that we need in this day and age. Lord, I pray that it would, your, your Holy Spirit, that he would transform us in such a way that all of our relationships begin to improve. Lord, not disintegrate, not be broken, but that they would improve, that you would bring revival and renewal in our hearts and in, in our minds for the love that we have for the people around us and then the people that you want us to share the gospel with. So Lord, do that work in us that we can't do by ourselves, but give us the courage then to obey you as you speak to us. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.